I'm Tom Schultz, host of Voices of Montana. Thanks for joining us for the podcast today, brought to you by Blackfoot Communications. Does your home qualify for a $70 discount on your internet bill? Blackfoot Communications is proud to partner with the FCC to help ensure that households can afford the broadband necessary for work, school, health care, and more. For more information on this federal program and to see if your household qualifies for a discount on your internet service, visit goblackfoot.com slash ACP. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Let's welcome our friend, Dr. Robert Tino Sonora, Associate Director of the BBER and Director of Healthcare Research, Senior uh, senior Research Professor, and uh, all-around good fella. How you doing, Tino? All right, Tom. How about yourself? I'm hanging in there. Really appreciate you coming on. Um, I'm just going to open it up because, you, you know, we, we, we talked a little bit about nursing homes. And, of course, uh, your one of your expertise is in the healthcare field. We'll probably circle back into that a little bit. But I sort of started with um, the Fed and uh, I guess admitting that I don't know still what the Fed does. They, they, they print money and then they charge us um, money to borrow that money and um, – <laughs> You know, but th- but they're talking about rising up, uh, raising interest rates again. They're speeding up that uh, that rise, and and I thought they were way slow to the party earlier, and uh, and now maybe they don't know the party's over. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, take it's that. Really, <laughs> real easy. Yeah, the, the the Fed is known for you know taking the punch bowl away, so uh, maybe they didn't take it away soon enough. Um, I think they were a little bit slow, but. You know, I think a lot of people are kind of having, uh, after staring at their belly buttons and, and sort of having a reckoning with what they thought inflation was going to look like, mm-hmm. I think many economists, myself included, thought inflation was going to be relatively transitory, um, given the nature of COVID and how quickly economies started reopening. But it, it turns out that that was not the case, and so inflation has remained sort of stubbornly high. And the Fed kind of was, as you said, a little bit late to the party in realizing that, and I think a lot of us were. Uh, realizing just how persistent this this kind of inflation was, and then there's some other things you know you just can't foresee. You know you have a, you know eggs have gotten a lot of um, a yeah. lot of press recently, but you know there's things like avian flus, which is what's causing it, and shortages in egg cartons, uh, which is causing this inflation in eggs um, that you just can't foresee. I mean, the avian flu is something that's just kind of out of left field. So. You know, a lot of these kinds of things you just you, you are, are kind of surprises to to the Fed and all of us. Excuse me, but yes, the Fed is going to be ramping up. I think uh, you know it looks like markets uh, are kind of guesstimating that by the end of this year that the Fed funds rate, which is the rate at which banks borrow and lend money to each other, um, is going to be about five and a half percent or about a one percentage point above what it is now. Um, and the impact on that is it starts pushing up all of our other interest rates. Um, one of the most closely watched interest rates for things like credit cards, um, and maybe things like car loans, is the prime interest rate. The prime interest rate is about two or three percentage points above the federal funds rate, and so we'll start seeing you know those types of rates start rising as the Fed increases rates, and we might actually start seeing those kind of rates increasing now because markets are already anticipating the Fed to raise rates about another percentage. And, you know, the Fed has actually said as much. They've, they've said in their last meeting that they're probably going to – they're shooting for about a 5.5% federal funds rate um, uh, by the end of this year. So I think everything's kind of looking – heading that direction. Do you think that they'll um, – for the longest time, those rates were very, very low – um, and they were they were so low for that period of time. I think people, you know, took advantage or, or maybe even forgot about how hard it actually is to, um, you know, grow money. 
and and and, and earn money. Um, do you do you think do you see return to that sort of rate, or is there? Uh, yeah, I know that they want inflation at like two percent, two and a half percent over per year over a five year period. They've got some work to do. Uh, but will we see those low rates again, Tino? Uh, you know, well, so right now the Fed, yeah, we will eventually. Um, I think it's going to take a little bit of time before rates start coming down in a in a, in a big way. Um, so that's going to be something interesting. Uh, um, you know, the markets aren't that forward looking yet, but they're looking twenty twenty five, maybe four percent. So it's going to be some time before before rates come down. Now, let's also remind ourselves, and you sort of hinted that that. You know, rates nowadays, we've gotten very spoiled by very, very low interest rates, and that's kind of a relatively new phenomenon, um, you know, beginning maybe in 2000. Yeah. If you look at, you know, the Fed's funds rate pre-2000, I mean, it averaged 5-plus percent for most of that period. Um, again, that's that's like the lowest interest rate you can get. That's an interest rate on an overnight loan that banks borrow in money um, from each other. And so that's the lowest, that's the absolute bottom of the the rates you can get. Um, then you and I get affected by changes in that, not necessarily one for one, but we do get impacted by that. But I think what's going to happen is the Fed is raising rates, going to get inflation in check. It's going to take, it's going to keep rates kind of high. Uh, I think for the next couple years, and by kind of high, I probably, I mean maybe above three percent. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, the Fed also wants to make sure that in the case that there's another recession, that they can lower rates again to try to stimulate the economy. So they're trying to get, I think, people used to a little bit higher rate. Once people get rates, that kind of rate kind of in part of their psyche, uh, then will it, you know, people adjust to that. And I think that's 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 kind of what's what the the Fed is banking on. And let me also just say that you're. You know, <clears throat> markets are looking at inflation to be in the 2 to 2.5% range over the next two to five years. So markets kind of – what that's telling uh, economists and us is that the markets actually have faith that the Fed is going to be able to engineer this mm. uh, this type of reduction. And so there are, there is some good signs in this. Um, and so I think we should look for some positive. Yeah, rates are high, but markets are kind of, again – thinking that the Fed will meet its target within the next two to five years. So, Boy, the markets have been uh, teaching us a lot over the past decade, haven't they? Yes, they have. And it's been really great to have so much more information available to just sort of like the average Joe on the street can access and, and to be able to look at the tea leaves and get an idea uh, of what's going on. We have so many different types of financial instruments now, which kind of give us an insight into what the future of the economy is going to be, kind of our own little crystal ball yeah. Um and that's been really, really, really interesting to see. Um, so that's kind of where I'm, I'm thinking that just expect high-ish, high-ish interest rates. Yeah. And by, by historic standards, they're pretty low, but but do expect that for some time to come, I think. We're going to stir that cup up again and look at the tea leaves and what they tell us about supply chain and energy and manufacturing when we come on back. Dr. Robert Tino Sonora with us, Associate Director of the BBER here on Voices of Montana. Does your home qualify for a $70 discount on your internet bill? Blackfoot Communications is proud to partner with the FCC to help ensure that households can afford the broadband necessary for work, school, health care, and more. For more information on this federal program and to see if your household qualifies for a discount on your internet service, visit goblackfoot.com slash ACP. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. The future of Montana, what the new wave of in-migration means for the state, that's been the focus of this series of Economic uh, Outlook Seminars from the BBER. Uh, the final one, you know, they took off in uh, late January, Great Falls, Helena, Missoula. Um, they 
all over, Billings, Bozeman, Butte, and they're going to be in Sydney and Miles City March 14th, 7 a.m. for a breakfast meeting, two hours in Sydney, noon meeting Miles City on uh, on March 14th. Um, and so look look to that and go to the BBER for more information. Tino Sonora. Tino, uh, thank you again for being here. Um, uh, let's let's talk, and we got now about three minutes on this one. Um, interest rates. I've read this headline. Fed's rate moves puts uh, manufacturing sector at risk. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think what's going on here is it, especially for uh, the state like Montana. So Montana is a very interest rate sensitive state in terms of production. By that, I mean that we don't have a lot of really large businesses. You know, most of our businesses are you know under fifty people. Most of businesses finance. Uh, new investments through taking on loans rather than issuing either stocks or bonds, um, and so as a result of that, these these smaller um, smaller manufacturing businesses or small businesses in general rely a lot more on borrowing from banks, and so therefore we're much more interest rate sensitive in this state than other states. You know, if you think like in New York, which has largest huge corporations and they can borrow by issuing stocks or bonds and don't have to rely on on borrowing money from banks. Um, they're less interest rate sensitive. So here we, we, we do want to keep a, a more a close eye on, on some of those interest rates because precisely that could start slowing investment here. I've heard anecdotally that, that, some, that some people in the state are manufacturers in particular are having trouble finding workers and are actually leaving the state um, because of work and potentially housing conditions. Um, and also just having that influence of those interest rates is also going to potentially negatively impact uh, borrowing by businesses in the state. And and you know, there, but there's still a, a lot of upside for manufacturing in Montana. Um, out, yeah. out, yeah. This outside of um, uh, of interest rates, I guess. Um, yeah. what, what are some of those good signs? I don't. You know, Montana manufacturing has, has was phenomenal. I mean, um, in the aftermath of, of COVID, I mean, yeah. it just expanded with employment. Income rose really sharply. Uh, I think manufacturing was above its pre-COVID trend within like six or seven months of the bottom. I mean, just remarkable how well it's done in the state, um, and and particularly in terms of employment. So I think a lot of manufacturers are trying to fill some of those employment holes and, and keep going. But it's 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 been a real bright spot, I think, for for the state. Um, and again, a lot of this is really just small small operations, but they they've done a remarkable job um, in terms of of how much production and and their and employment. I, I think uh, for Montana, and that's. Both in durable and non-durable sectors, uh, non-durables re- reacted much quick, more quickly than than the durable sector did. But uh, durables have also caught up to pre-COVID and surpassed it. And indeed, that kind of bucks the trend for the country as a whole. So, uh, great news there. Want to talk about um, mortgage? Uh, I do want to talk about energy, the supply chain, obviously. And then um, something here that, uh, of note is Montana's ag economy. Um, I'm looking at a, a stat that you guys put together that it's on pace for a record year. But that may not be record profits. Um, so we'll talk more as we explore our economy uh, up and down, uh, inside and out, with Dr. Robert Tino Sonora from the BBER. Voices of Montana continues right after this. Does your home qualify for a $70 discount on your internet bill? Blackfoot Communications is proud to partner with the FCC to help ensure that households can afford the broadband necessary for work, school, health care, and more. For more information on this federal program and to see if your household qualifies for a discount on your internet service, visit goblackfoot.com ACP. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. 
Going up and down the economy here today with Dr. Robert Tino Sonora. Dr. Sonora is the associate producer. Uh, pardon me. Uh, so, ha, titles. Why? Now I just spread all my stuff around, Tino, because <laughs> I was right, looking. Man. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Associate. Uh, ig, ig, uh, Director. Director. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> of the it's BBDR. Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. And you have been for a while, too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Right, I, I still have problems saying it. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, thank you. I always uh, enjoy our conversations. Um, some things left over here, um, and I'm going to start with egg because, well, you know, we um, the state is still very much an egg state. I know the sure. outdoor industry is trying to surpass that, so to speak. And and I'm I'm uh, I've got some questions about their numbers, but um, according to your estimates, uh, this, this revenue forecast near six billion dollars, not not to that. Um, for Montana's egg industry, but that that not a lot of that is profit. Um, I was chatting with Taylor Brown, our president here, and very much egg um, focused. Um, he was talking about, you know, think about that overall. Is that there's oh, because the inputs have uh, risen a little bit. There's still a lot of that money going back into the economy. So um, you know, egg still very much fueling our state. Yeah, I mean, egg prices did rise. Obviously, there was a when 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 the, the Russia and Ukrainian war started, that sort of put some upward pressure on prices, and that kind of even though that that particular agricultural output is not necessarily going to the United States, a lot of their output is going to the you know, Middle East and Africa. Nevertheless, it does put other pressures on global prices, and they did rise, and they they've kind of come back down a little bit, and but sort of stabilized um, since about mid 2022. But I think. The story from the Act too is the increase in costs. Uh, you know, uh, if you think that that Russia is one of the primary exporters of, of uh, chemical fertilizers and and other types of inputs for agricultural production, and those things have risen pretty sharply, um, that's putting a squeeze. Um, on top of that, maybe some some costs of, and I'm not an expert in this area by any stretch of the imagination, but I would imagine in terms of farm equipment, if there's still some supply chain issues with finding repairs. Um, that's going to put some some pressure on the cost side for agricultural. Um, although, you know, there's something that, you know, finally, I can't remember if it was John Deere or, or who, who, who basically said, you know, farmers can now repair their own tractors um, and not have to bring it to us. I think that's going to ease some of the cost pressures. But um, so that's 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 been a, a, an interesting little change in, in the way these uh, some of these manufacturers have done business. So I think that's going to sort of ease some of those cost pressures. But still, there there are there are those things. And with prices falling back down again, um, as the sort of world and global markets start changing back to quote unquote normal, whatever that is anymore. I don't even yeah. know what that is anymore. Right. Uh, then then you know that's that's going to be something that we'll keep an eye on and. I don't know what what food futures are looking like, or what what uh, sort of agricultural commodities prices futures are looking like these days. But I suffice, I imagine they're sort of stabilized right now. Is it still the the same value, relatively speaking, um, egg in Montana? Uh, as, as far as I know, yes. Yeah. It's not something I, I, I study that closely um, or keep an eye on that much. But yeah, I think it's it's holding its own. I think it's pretty constant. I mean, in most of you know ag states, uh, agriculture or in terms of employment is a relatively small percentage of the total population. Although you know it uses a lot of land, um, but it has lost. I think it's probably lost some of its share, if you will, uh, from from things as you mentioned earlier, like tourism mm-hmm. uh, and manufacturing. 
um, has also sort of filled in some of those gaps. But it, it's still, I think it's one of those things that kind of remains like a, a constant, if you will. It's just always there. It's very stable, and it's something that we can rely on. And, and certainly for, for more rural communities, it it's basically underpins the economy as a whole, although I'm sure there's some competition there with sort of, you know, mineral extraction as well. But, yeah, it's it's still going to be that that sort of constant. It's always going to be there and something that I think that we always, in you know, an ag state, always want to keep an eye on. Supply chain. Um yeah. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's affecting everything still. So yeah. I think that's still some, some hiccups in the supply chain and that's what's causing some of our inflationary uh pressures right now is it's still still fixing some things. You know, and when China opened and went from zero COVID to infinite COVID I'm calling it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's could potentially be some some supply chain issues. And now with, with some saber rattling going on, that's you know, these the global global politics right now is just creating so much uncertainty in a lot of ways that I, I think that's going to be something that's kind of kind of be a drag on our on not just our economy the global economy until some of these things start settling down a little bit and we yeah. can start getting a better idea what's going what the future looks like and and it seems like businesses large and small are earnest about changing um, their their supply chain yeah, and they have I mean they've had some time I know that that a lot of manufacturing that was once upon a time done in China has moved to other places. I mean, it's it's a pretty costly thing to do. You don't mm-hmm. just, you know, pick up a plant and move it from, uh, you know, Wuhan to, to Mexico City. It just doesn't happen overnight. So, we're, you know, as, as we, when those things start uh, getting a little bit more, uh, when as those things become more fluid over time, then I think we'll see some of those supply chain issues sort of ironing themselves out. I know a lot of manufacturers did uh, uh, move, say, from China to, to Vietnam or Malaysia. Um, I think Mexico received some some uh, FDI from foreign direct investment as well um, as, as as plants moved out of out of Asia and closer to, to the United States, which is their largest market. And they're also moving into Europe. You have a lot of manufacturing done in Eastern Europe now, so sort of Romania and Bulgaria and these kinds of places, where labor remains relatively low, relatively speaking. So uh, you know, you're getting you're getting a lot more um, movement away from say, Southeast Asia to other parts of the world in terms of, of uh, manufacturing and other things, which will reduce some of those supply chain issues. Hopefully, what, what's energy doing? Energy's constant. I mean, energy's you know, I mean, adjusted for. I was just looking at oil prices and adjusted for inflation. Oil prices are are about where they were ten years ago. I mean, there was a little bit of a spike, but they're not they're not crazy. Um, so it's, here in America, uh, here in America, yeah, yeah, and you everybody's, know, yeah, yeah, and everybody's eyes are on on gas prices. I know yeah. because that's what they see changing on a daily basis, um, and so people get very anxious about about gas prices. And you know, there's you know, human psychology is kind of strange, right? We 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 tend to overvalue price increases and undervalue price decreases, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we think that price increases really really hurts us, uh, but an equal price decrease doesn't hurt us it it makes us better but not as worse as it makes mm. us if mm-hmm. that makes any sense yeah so people are very sensitive to to those kinds of prices but again you know gas for example for us it's more important in montana because we do a lot more driving because just the size of the of the country and so we obviously it hurts our pocketbooks a lot more than say somebody in new hampshire would or in new york city where um, you don't have to drive as much but it still is a, a relatively small percentage of our total income but it's so it's so in our face every day that that's what makes it i think such a important indicator yeah. to keep an eye on yeah and and um i mean there's if you don't have stability in, in your energy markets it's right. hard to have stability in in other areas too right right um, right uh, 
so what happened? And we've seen the price of energy. Uh, it has fluctuated a little bit. Yeah. I mean, overall, uh, I think consumers are paying, um, uh, on average, what is it, maybe 9%, 10% more for overall energy prices. Um, and I, I, maybe I don't have the quite the right, right. handle on that, but right, that's right, a figure right. I read a while ago. What happens uh, to manufacturing? When energy prices go up ten percent, well, again, you know, obviously depends on on how energy intensive they are. Um, you know, just as like just as you have interest rate sensitive industries, you're going to have energy, you know, um, sensitive industries as well. So mm-hmm. it, it's really going to depend on that. Um, depends on the sources of energy. Uh, it could it be a, could continue to be a squeeze? It's, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, as I said, when you adjust for inflation, energy prices have been dropping. Um, so there, and of course, part of that has to do with the fact that inflation is relatively high. Um, but um, that, that's 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 something that obviously the manufacturers would have a much better handle on. Um, but in terms of shipping costs, if you're shipping out of the state, obviously that's going to raise some costs um, and certainly potentially drive up prices on the consumer side. But you know, competition is pretty. We have a fair amount of competition here in the United States, and so that keeps consumer prices relatively low. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's relatively hard for, for producers, uh, for better or for worse, to push push on those higher costs onto consumers. Right. And and all of this, it, it, we, we see how so interconnected we are with supply chain and energy and then uh, moving on to mortgage rates a little bit and, and, and housing. How connected that is to the health of our economy? It, it's extremely, you know, and I, I, it's it's really complicated. I mean, it, you know, I wish there was an easy fix and yeah. we could wave a magic wand and fix everything, but it, it's not. You know, we got people moving in to the state, um, pushing up housing prices. Maybe they don't even care about mortgages because they can just pay cash, which is pushing out some people, making it harder for firms. I mentioned earlier, harder for firms to hire people. So that's then, you know, um, potentially raising costs and wages for for those for those people trying to hire. Um, but I think, you know, on the other hand, we have some industries where you can do remote, remote, uh, you know, employment. So, you know, industries which can take advantage of that will do relatively well. But, um, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really tricky. I think there's a, we're kind of in a situation where we're, we don't, I don't feel that everybody's got a complete good handle on what, what the next five to 10 years right. will look like. It's, yeah. it just, uh, it's just very, a lot of turmoil. Well, you know, it's maybe it's a tough time to to be alive for some, but also, um, I guess you look at the, the other side of that. It's a very interesting time to be alive too. Right? Yeah, right, right. yeah, and it's 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 really, and as economists, of course, it's fascinating. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, it's um, it it is, um, and I think that uh, we'll look back at this period and and hopefully take a lot away from it. You yeah. know, um, there's a, there's a few epics, if you will, in in in, in, in global and the United States economy that everybody kind of thinks about. You know, you think about the Great Depression. Now we think about the Great Recession, and we have this pandemic, and then some wars. And so it, it, there's there's so many moving parts, Tom. That I I I don't. It's it's well, hard to sort of extract the effects of one thing to anything else. You know, it's yeah. it very tricky to do that. Yeah, so. it is right uh, to be definitive about anything. And absolutely, um, I guess from an economist standpoint, um, uh, you've got uh, lots of reasons to be wrong out there. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, right. And, and you know, I, I as I mentioned, you know, as I think when we first started chatting, you know, I think a lot of people were pretty certain about inflation, and then sort of had, you mm. know, and you have yep. a slice of humble pie and. And that's okay. I mean, you know, it's it's 
there's certain things you just can't foresee. You don't foresee a pandemic. You don't foresee a war. You don't foresee a lot of these other these global events. You know, now we're having, you know, giant snowstorms in California. You don't foresee those. Yeah. So, <laughs> Let me ask you this, though. Let me ask you this, um, yep. because we're running out of time, too. Yep. Uh, and I appreciate your time here. Um, uh, are we done throwing money or, at everything? Uh, it seems like we've we've gotten into that habit. Uh, and, and look at our debt. Um, well, I mean, this is this is this is this this is this you know the nine thousand pound gorilla right now. Yeah. It's kind of it's people aren't really paying attention. They kind of forgotten about it. But we've got this 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 debt impasse, this deficit impasse, this this budget deficit impasse going on, mm-hmm. uh, and that's something that we really want to keep an eye on. Particularly, we start looking in April. Uh, right now, the we've overcome, we've we've hit our debt ceiling already, and now the the Treasury Department's using some sort of accounting trickery to to keep paying right. Social Security and stuff. So right. keep an eye up. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe we should talk then. And and on uh, April, sometime between April and September is is kind wow. of like D days. So. All right, yeah, yeah. I, I I tend to think of these things. There's a lot of bluster uh, bef- before you get to you know. Yeah, uh, Yep. What's the real hard truth about where we're going we're going to be at with this? Absolutely, um, I agree. I, I just don't know that we've got we've got our our spending <laughs> under control by any means. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Hey, uh, Dr. Robert Tinosenor, again, associate director of the BBER, director of healthcare research, and, and a senior research professor too. I always appreciate chatting with you, Tino. Uh, you know, we we haven't had a chance to uh, you know off air. Um, have a conversation. Uh, so I look forward to that some someday. Oh, let's do it, Tom. I appreciate it, and uh, I hope it, I hope the weather's changing for you. I wish we could just get some yeah. gray stuff over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll soon enough. You know. All right. yeah. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. All right. Take, Take care. care, Tom.